Day after tomorrow, gentlemen, we'll be in Las Vegas. Welcome to Vegas. Las Vegas functions on a 24-hour-a-day schedule. Casino. Big volcano out in front. That's the Eiffel Tower. Bellagio. Riviera. The Mirage. Flamingo. Sahara. The MGM Grand. This isn't the real Caesar's Palace, is it? Want to gamble? They always put the machines that pay off the most right in the front. Good luck. The strip is just the most amazing stretch of the road, I think, probably anywhere in the world. Kicking ass in Vegas. Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. Welcome to Las Vegas. The Hacienda was a discount property the moment it opened. It had to be. The market became oversaturated with competition in the 1950s, but that challenge forced properties to find new demographics to appeal to. Ten casinos opened on the Las Vegas Strip in the 1950s. Names like the Desert Inn, Sahara, Sands, Tropicana, and Stardust were all introduced during this time. But as the southernmost property on the Strip, the first one you would see if you were driving in from California, it was evident from the beginning that their location was going to be a challenge unto itself. In 1954, there was a lot of optimism on the Strip. Multiple projects were underway, including one a mile south of the Flamingo, the southernmost property on the Strip, with 266 rooms on 60 acres. It was originally known as Lady Luck Las Vegas. It wasn't until 1955 when the Riviera, Dunes, and Royal Nevada all opened within 30 days of one another that people started to question if Vegas was overbuilt. That concern helped the $5 million in financing for the Lady Luck project to fall apart. However, one of the investors really believed in the idea, so he took over the project, renaming it the Hacienda. His name was Warren Doc Bailey. Doc already owned several Hacienda motels in California, hence the rebranding. Not knowing how to run a casino, Doc brought in Jake Kozloff as a co-owner. Problem was, he was determined to have inadequate financial statements to support his $250,000 investment. Even though Jake was formally licensed at the New Frontier and Gold Nugget, the Nevada Gaming Control Board denied the Hacienda a gaming license as long as Jake was attached to it. So, they opened as a motel only in April of 1956 and struggled right out of the gate. They only stayed afloat because of junketeer Henry Price. Price flew tourists into town to stay at the showboat and the Thunderbird, but on weekends, there weren't enough rooms to supply demand. So... Price would use the Hacienda for the overflow crowd. Despite this, the Hacienda continued to struggle. Meanwhile, Doc fought the commission hard for Jake, but Kozlov was eventually taken off the application and resubmitted for approval, which they got on October 12, 1956, just in time for the holidays, which are traditionally a slow time in Vegas. Hacienda was designed by Homer Rissman, it was built like other Vegas properties at the time, with a central building housing the casino and restaurants, and motel structures to provide lodging. Rissman designed the Hacienda so each motel building connected to a casino via glass-walled corridors. The interior was designed as a, quote, cattle chute. Guests on their way to their rooms were forced through the casino where the ceilings were low to focus guests' attention on the games. Patrons had to pass the slots on their way to the bathroom. Homer would go on to design expansions or renovations to strip hotels such as Tropicana, Dunes, 
tally-ho, castaways, and the silver slipper. In fact, Homer designed the original circus tent concept for Circus Circus. His biggest project was probably the Flamingo Hilton. It's made up of a series of matching pink glass white concrete hotel towers built over six phases to eventually build the Flamingo we know today. Vegas needed to find new markets to attract if they were going to continue to grow. The Hacienda did this by appealing to families. They did this with multiple pools, including the largest in Vegas at the time, a miniature golf course, a go-kart track, and offered babysitting services for guests so the kids could play and the adults could gamble. With the exception of the last frontier, in the 1950s, Vegas was known as an adult playground. Serious gamblers referred to the Hacienda as Hayseed Heaven. In 1957, the Hacienda introduced the Hacienda Holiday, a package plan. For $16 a night, guests would get complimentary food, a bottle of California sparkling wine, and $10 worth of chips upon arrival. Billboards along the highway from California advertised the deal, and the phones lit up. Another idea they had to attract people to the property was to buy a DC-4 plane, outfit it with $95,000 worth of furnishings, including a piano bar, the only plane to have one at the time. This promotion was decidedly for adults, as part of the in-flight entertainment included a striptease artist. The Hacienda Airlines were so popular that soon Doc owned a fleet of 30 planes. Package deals were created for new markets like New York and Chicago, including six days, five nights, four meals, plus a membership to the hotel's golf club, all for $188, including airfare. By the end of 1960, the Hacienda had flown in 150,000 people, more than all commercial airlines combined. The flights eventually stopped in 1962 following an order from the Civil Aeronautics Board. The agency accused the Hacienda of operating as an airliner, and the resort was not licensed to provide such a service. Hacienda argued that the guests were flown in for free. The only thing that they paid for was food and hotel room. However, the CAB determined that since guests paid before boarding the plane, they were essentially paying for the flight. One benefit of being so far from the rest of the Strip is that many guests wouldn't bother to make the trek to other properties, instead spending all their time on property. Doc would go on to add a helicopter to his fleet and take guests on tours of the city, Hoover Dam, and the Grand Canyon. Another successful promotion came when ownership realized that, due to a highway bridge being constructed, traffic was being rerouted, causing cars to come to a We hope you've enjoyed this premium content preview. For access to the rest of this episode, as well as all the premium content we offer, go to patreon.com slash 360vegas. A monthly subscription will give you access to the enhanced version of the podcast, often with bonus content, exclusive podcasts like 360 Vintage Vegas, 360 Origins, 360 Vegas Movies, insider information on all things 360 Vegas, 360 Vegas Vacation, and early access to everything. To subscribe, simply go to patreon.com slash 360Vegas. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Or you can find a link to Patreon on our blog, 360VegasPodcast.com. Yeah.